0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. The NFL is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Another sport that's in about to be in full swing is the NBA. Uh, you can check out Bet Online's NBA futures uh, odds to win the 2021 COVID-19 NBA championship. The Lakers are plus 275, big-time favorites. The next best bet is the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 600. They got the Nets at plus 650. Wow, people really think Kevin Durant and Kyrie will just uh, gel very quickly and get to the finals or win the finals. That'd be an interesting bet. If you're going to take a long shot, how about the Miami Heat at plus 1,800 or even the Philadelphia 76ers at plus 2,200? So have fun with that. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Bill Roden on Sports, Rose Pod. Uh, we have a special guest today, but um, of course, I'm Jamal Murphy, and uh, Bill Roden is, is in the house as well. Um, I think he's he must be driving to the Canadian border. Is that true? Well, I was
1: before the election, remember? I was I was headed to the border. <laughs> and then, you know, then as the returns start going in, you know, I started speeding up. But then I kind of paused. And then right. as things began to turn, you know, first of all, at the Canadian boys I said, we don't want you.
0: That's true. That is true.
1: So no, man. Yeah. No, they said, Why are you coming up here? <laughs> but no, I am in my car. I am headed, you know, to undisclosed location. Great to be on the line with our special guest.
0: Of course, our special guest today, the great Solomon Wilcox, a friend of the program, NFL broadcaster, writer, and analyst, uh, currently with Sirius XM NFL Radio, uh t- and also a team leader of sports health at Russo Partners. Of course, also a former NFL safety. Uh Solomon, thanks for joining us again.
2: Hey, always great to be on with you, Jamal and and, and Bill. I'm, I'm glad you were able to turn it around, my man. You know, we all <laughs> we were we were all able to turn it around philosophically and uh uh, it's, a, it's a literal deal with you, but I'm glad you didn't have to go up to Canada and we get to keep you on this side of the border.
1: I <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I felt bad because, um, you know, I had, you know, I think I that was show we are, but I said to you for the election, we were kind of ruminating, and I said, you know, I'll be stunned if this guy loses, meaning POTUS 45, because I guess I had kind of lost, I sort of lost faith. And a lot of my fellow, my fellow man, particularly a lot of my fellow men, (laughs) you know, I just, you know, I lost, I I just didn't know if they had it in them to just say this ain't working, whether you Republican or whatever, to say, you know what, man, white privilege is not, it's not worth it to keep this kind of nonsense in the White House, so I didn't know, so I was pleasantly surprised, Sally. I was very <laughs> pleasantly surprised that, um, you know, that my fellow, you know, my, my fellow citizens said, you know, enough is enough, so yeah.
2: Yeah, it, it's nice to know that we still have some egalitarian spirit about who we are as a, as a nation and as a, as a country that we can still progress towards, um, economic independence and freedom and strength and developing the resources, but still understanding that we're a better nation by working together, sticking together, and even reaching back to help those who might be less fortunate, that we can still make sure everybody's taken care of to a certain degree while still progressing and moving forward. That's It's nice to know, it's nice to know. I think all of our faith has been restored.
0: Yes. It was a close call, however.
1: Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I know, but I was, I was headed that way, you know. Um, but uh, you know, we still there's still business to be done. You still got those uh, runoff elections in Georgia, right? Which, uh, you know, it would that would be, I wouldn't even say, uh, cherry on the top, but it's almost pivotal, right? So, job's not done yet, but at least, at least you know, the, the the message coming from, you know, from your leadership. You know, you play ball, man. You've been on teams. And the lead, you know, the message coming from the top is just so important, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Figuratively, it's so important that the message coming from the top is the right message.
2: Absolutely. it's, it's It sets the tone for the team, right? It, uh, Absolutely. If, if, you, if you ask everyone to work together, make it part of the process and uh the 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 sort of the mandate the call to action right then that's what people tend to do they tend to get on board with that if you say if you give them the least path of what we call the path of least resistance we know you don't have to honor your neighbor no you don't have to work together yeah you you know just keep it moving people tend to take that path so it's it's nice to know that we've and i don't even necessarily want the return to to normalcy, I, I want us to go to another level. So you're right; right. there's a whole lot of work right. to do, and and I think we now see right. that democracy can be fragile, right? And right. I, I think people are going to appreciate um, democracy. Yeah. I think people appreciate the not only the right to vote, but to write the right, and really the, our responsibility to be engaged in not just during the
1: election cycle, but on an ongoing basis. Right. Yeah, I'm so happy, solidly to see um, Jamal. I talk about this to see the athletic community really, really step up and get involved. I mean, uh, almost not even in a partisan way, but just how the NFL was saying, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, vote, vote," and the NBA, vote. You know, be involved. You know, they, they weren't necessarily telling you who to vote for, but they were just saying these leagues and the players were, were saying, "Vote." And, you know, he turned stadiums into voting places. And, you know, a guy like Pat Mahomes bought voting machines. I just thought it was great um, to, see the, to see your community, the pro sports community in general, really just uh, step up and, and, and get, get engaged.
2: You know, it reminds me of that iconic photo that we saw during the 60s with uh, Jim Brown, Lou Alcindor, uh, right. you know, Bill Russell. Um, Cassius Clay went before he became Muhammad Ali when all the great athletes came together to stand up for civil rights within their communities um, and you know when people say hey just be just shut up and dribble it, that that that's lost on me you know I, mm. <laughs> there's no way um, you can ask athletes to just stay in their lane and play sports many of us come from these communities that have been disenfranchised, we have family members and loved ones who have been left behind economically and and, and when it comes to education, when it comes to healthcare, um, there's no way that we're gonna go off and leave our communities, even though we've quote made it or been blessed to have um, sort of inherit some athletic ability or economic um, advancement. No, no, I think athletes have always decided that they were going to be part of the process. And as you well know, Bill, um, you know, once we go into the athletic world, we immediately understand the politics that's played, whether it's through the collective bargaining process, mm. trying to get fair and equal wages, even as an athlete. And many of us, we know what it means to be disenfranchised. One minute we're an athlete, we're on top of the world. The next minute we're injured, mm. broken down. Yep. <laughs> And uh, we we return we return to the space that we came from. So right. There's, right. No, there's no way there's no way we're not going to fend for the rights of others just because we've been granted some temporary
1: opportunity to participate in, in upward mobility. Do you think Sally that this this active well we use that word activism but this uh, engagement by uh, athletes is this sort of the beginning of something maybe uh people beginning to realize uh collectively um uh, i don't know really you want to say their power because that's you know but uh, actually just just becoming just joining you know just join, being citizens
2: yeah i i do think this is uh, this is a growth phase um for minorities who have been sort of grafted into the American fabric, um, and let's face it, we this isn't a country, a nation of capitalism. And so, when right. you participate, when you participate uh, in, in in the game, or you're allowed to participate and have that eco- economic uh, advancement and mobility, you become part of the corporate structure. And so now you have to figure out a way to how do I continue. To, uh, to advance economically, but still keep my feet on the ground, still maintain a love for community, a love for people? And how do I use my newfound position? And uh, you, you mentioned it as power. I like to say the collective of resources and then the distributor of those resources, right? How do I use that platform to, to still advance, but still reach back and help others? And I think you find a lot of people in that that space, trying to figure out how do I do that without alienating anyone? Because not, you know, sometimes right. when you make these political choices, or you stand up for something over here, you feel like you're alienating someone over here. And we're not—we none of us got into it for that. But we have to understand right. that there are certain things that we have to be done. There are certain people who are not going to be happy about your choices to help others, right. and so we can't be afraid to step out on that leadership. Um, and knowing that there's going to be some people who decide to oppose whatever efforts you take to help others, and you've got to be willing to tread in those waters and be able to do it with really great depth of knowledge and skill. And so there's a learning curve here, but I'm happy to see that uh, a lot so many people are willing to do it and take those chances.
0: So you mentioned you mentioned uh, a capitalist society. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk NFL season. uh speaking uh, speaking of of the capitalist capitalist society the nfl season uh you know playing through through this COVID 19 pandemic um it's a season like we we've never seen Mm -hmm. uh you know i was just it it was it was wild seeing denver have to play with no quarterback Mm -hmm. um it was wild seeing rg3 have to play at all i'm just joking (laughs) but um you know so what What's your take on this on this season so far, and you know, taking into account everything that's going on, um, do you feel like, you know, they should be playing? We know, you know, money over everything. Um, this is this is America. Um, I mean, how do you yeah. feel about the whole NFL season in the midst of every of COVID?
2: First of all, I, it starts with just my fundamental belief and and understanding. Uh, I, I I believe you can be a capitalist that you can be about commerce and economics and the growth and the development. And I'm also aware of all the good things that come from it. Now, I'm also aware of some of the ills on the other side of that coin, um, the exploitation, corruption, the things that can come with it, right? And I fall back on, you know, what Martin Luther King, when he talked about love and power, and he said that love without power, you, you can become weak and anemic. And he said, and power without love can be corrosive and corruptive. Mm. He said, but it is the two together that allows you to be able to do things for others out of love. Right. And so it's, it's the ability to have those resources that makes your love uh, and your compassion toward your fellow man meaningful. How can you help them if you don't have resources, right? right. Uh, and so you have to be able to understand um, that I don't think capitalism is a bad thing. I think we need to understand the ills that come with it. But I think we also should understand the blessings that can come with it when used properly. And that's what we were talking about with many of the athletes who have achieved economic um, advancement and the ability to do some good in their communities. And so when I look at the NFL playing through a global pandemic, you know I, I don't think we needed to unplug our economy. I think we needed to be smart about how we were going to, forge through it, but I think you can move forward, but you have to be smart about protecting players and all the people that are exposed while trying to forge your way through and play through a global pandemic. I think the NFL has
0: really done a good
2: job. I thought they got off to a slow start, but then I thought they got their arms around the science and all the knowledge needed to keep people safe. And for a long time, we went without people testing Uh, positive for COVID-19. They had protocols set in place and had staff members, coaches, and players follow the protocols, we would continue to be able to move forward without these setbacks you're talking about. In the case of Denver, you say, well, why did they have to play despite having players test positive for COVID-19 and had to take the field without their quarterback? You know why? because the virus was contained within one group didn't spread to the rest of the team. There were four quarterbacks in that room. One tested and because the other three chose not to follow the protocols Mm -hmm. for whatever reasons, whether it's Mm -hmm. their political belief in the mask, there's a lot of people all over the place, but all they had to do was follow the protocols. They didn't follow the protocols. They wouldn't have had to go into a 10 day quarantine and miss the game. In that case, those three players let down their team. They let right. down their teammates. They let down the coaching staff, the ownership group, and the entire city of Denver who expects them to go out and play. And, and their head coach, Vic Fangio, said as much. For the Baltimore Ravens, for 10 straight days, they had a player test positive for COVID-19. They, they never could contain the virus within one group. It just kept spreading and spreading and spreading. And this is where the NFL has been clear, Jamal, they're not going to move forward if they feel they're going to jeopardize the safety of staff members, people who work in the stadiums, the officials. Everyone's exposed if you have players step out there who have already, who have already tested positive and, and, more importantly, who have failed to, to have show a negative test. And right. so because they couldn't contain it, they felt the virus was still spreading, so they kept moving the game back they did not help the Baltimore Ravens because ultimately when the Ravens played on Wednesday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were without six pro bowlers, including last year's MVP, and Lamar Jackson. And by the time the game was played, they were playing with their third-string quarterback. So uh, they didn't do the Ravens any favors. They just made sure they followed their protocols, the league did. Once it was contained, now you're allowed to play. Okay? That's, that's really the difference. It's not about competitive balance. It's about containing the virus. You got 50-something players on the regular roster. You have 12 on the developmental squad. Let's go play ball. It is up to you to make sure you have the best players when you step
1: out there. Right. Well, what do you make of uh, Solomon Wilcox, uh, broadcaster, uh, morning drive, serious NFL radio, which I think is great. We'll talk about that later. And I really enjoy you. Uh, I'm glad you got that, that uh regular spot, I think is great. You do a great Thank you. job. Thank um, you. What do you make of Lamar Jackson's comments um, after that game on Wednesday? And he, he raised the question, and, and this is kind of a column I'm going to be writing for the undefeated, but he, he just wondered whether the NFL really was putting, whether it really was putting the players' interests uh, first.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, he, he yeah, I, I think he has a right to voice his opinion. Um, I think the league is in a very tough spot. You and I both know. There's, we're, this is not like the NBA because there's more people, right? you got 32 cities. They're all spread out. You can't throw a bunch of people in one bubble like the NBA did because you have more people, more bodies. Imagine if all of these teams are housed in one bubble and one person got it because it only takes one person to go outside the protocols. Right, and now they have it; they end up infecting everyone in the bubble. Right, that's <laughs> right. That's that's why the league is sought to have all thirty-two teams create their own bubble. Right, and that way. Right. By and, and so, I, the players have have been educated on what the league is doing, what the protocols are. But as the league learns more and become more informed about how the virus operated, how to contain the virus. It's an ongoing fluid process. And as they learn more information, they, they institute better rules, better protocols. They modify what they had been doing into something differently. And they're constantly having to keep the players up to date. You and I both know, not all players are taking the time to really educate themselves and, and really have great engagement with the league. Terms of what's going on? Why? Okay, why are we doing this now? Okay, what what's this about? And just learning those things, because if you feel like you've lost some games, and hey, the Ravens right now, as we sit there, they've lost four of their last five games, and so you, you you're, you're looking for someone to blame. You're looking for somewhere to point. Right, you, right, right. right. Wait, and, and they felt like they were taking the field, and they weren't at their best in terms of the best players weren't out there. And for all that we've been taught as athletes. You put the best players out there, but what if I said to the players, "You are, you have to be held accountable. If you're not wearing your mask, if you're not socially distancing, and you decide you're not going to follow these protocols, and then your team becomes infected, and we say that okay, the guys are healthy, you got to play; the guys aren't healthy, you can't play. At what point do you become um, aware of your own accountability?" And the reasons why now you can't play or why the virus is spread amongst your ranks. You have to take some accountability. The protocols have been put in place. If you told me we followed all of your protocols, we did everything that was asked of us, every single individual, and now we're still missing games, that'd be a different conversation. But you don't hear any of the players and coaching staffs admitting to that. In fact, we're finding out the players are going out, doing certain things they shouldn't be doing. And so that's where some of the problems
1: exist. Well, you know, that, that to me, Sally that, that kind of gets into, I keep thinking of this blues record by Albert King. You know, Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. So, <laughs> That's right. You know, right. It's like, it's like, okay, you want nobody in the NFL. You don't want to make the ultimate sacrifice or the extreme sacrifice that it would take to get through these next few weeks, uh, safely you know the word and it it, I mean the bubble was a hell of a sacrifice financially and um you know financially and I don't know competitively but it's
0: psychologically yeah yeah, psychologically
1: it's it's, it's just tremendous and uh I I hear well today the news was uh as we recorded on Friday that after the game you can't go to your facilities teams can't go to their facilities for two days Mm. you know um so that's the thing. But, you know, you saw on the on the, uh, the Wednesday night game, Goodell didn't commit to whether that would be a, a playoff bubble. So what what do you think? I mean, I know maybe having all teams in a bubble might be tough, but what about a playoff bubble? Maybe uh, uh, North, you know, North, South, East, West have four different.
2: I think that's, you know, that's been discussed. In fact, I know they've discussed it. And I think it goes back to the earlier point that what happens if you get, remember, with, a, with one, say like with one team, you're talking upwards, of, you know, between the players, the coach, the medical and the essential staff, you're talking upwards of 100 people, right? Whereas with an NBA team, you're talking about no more than 20 to 25 people. So you're talking 100 per team. So now you're talking yeah. putting four hundred people mm. in what a hotel, or and how do you feed those four hundred people? And again, you're still—if one person gets impacted, this thing spreads like wildfire, as we have yeah. seen. And now you're talking. So I, to me, I think what the, what the league has embarked upon is holding every team accountable about creating their own bubble. Now mm. they're still letting players go home, but. the the 49ers essentially have been asked to leave or not participate in Santa Clara County. So they're going to go to Phoenix and they're creating their own bubble there. Okay. And you're finding teams that have self isolated like the new Orleans saints since the beginning of the year, they have been pretty good about it. What, when you're playing through something like a global pandemic, what we're going to look back on this and say the team that had the greater discipline, the teams that were willing to follow the protocols and understand that science rules the deck and that by trusting in science that that's where we're better off and then the discipline of adhering to those protocols on a daily basis, those are going to be the final two teams standing, um, participating, and playing for a championship. That's what we're going to look back and say is that this team was not only the best on the field They were one of the best off the field when it came to just discipline and maturity and doing the right things. And and for me, that's where athletics sets an example for the rest of society in a tremendous way. I mean, we the leadership of athletes in the world that we have to live in and how we have to continue to be fluid and acclimate to changing around us, whining doesn't get it we are we have been taught to forge through, to press through and uh, i think that's something the rest of society can learn at least from the athletic world cuz we you know we're competitors man we do whatever it takes to win and now the laundry list of things that it's going to take to win in 2020 has become longer and more demanding and those players and those teams that come together to follow the protocols to do everything that's expected we can whine about it or we can forge through the mature group that forges through that's that's going to be the last team left standing
0: and really and really this is where we are this, this you know all sports have made this decision um, yeah. you know all these you know money-making leagues have made this decision we are, we are going to move forward you mentioned the NBA the NBA is not doing a bubble anymore that's <laughs> you right. know, they're, that's right. they're, they're basically doing what the NFL is doing, you know, come, you know, come this year. So I think everybody has made that decision and it's inter, I agree with you wholeheartedly about the individual responsibility part. That's, that's what's, what has really grown because of this pandemic, even in college sports, I was you know covering college basketball and you talk to these kids and it's like, all of a sudden, they have this, they have this responsibility to stay safe and stay away from people and not party or else you ruin every, you know, you, not only can you get other people sick you ruin the season the yeah. team has to sit out so it's all this extra responsibility that's on these kids you know it's just it's i don't is that is that a good thing or a bad thing i don't know
2: i they think about it though see i think people understood this when we were pioneers and we first came over and forged this country and people had to you know drain swamps to create dried land to farm crops everybody's kind of understood their, where they fit in the community, right? Think about even back on, on tribal lands. The community had to come together just to survive the winter. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I don't have, Jamal, maybe you have, and just to get through the winter, we had to collectively, what, combine our resources just to make it through the winter, right? And so what that meant is you knew your role, I knew my role, and now sports comes along. And now it seems like that's the only place where we tend to rely on each other sports Mm, and the field, the athletic field of competitions are the only places where we say, Hey man, I need you. You need me. And everyone tends to know their role. And I think now during this global pandemic, we're understanding that within our daily lives in our community, and if you take a team, right. And you say, well, okay, man, I'll see you later. Now we're still relying on you, even though we're no longer on the playing field or no longer on the court. I'm going to need you to do the right things. You're going to need me to do the right things and make sure that when it's time for us to play together, that we're still part of this because without you, we're not going to be able to win. So I'm trusting on you to do the right thing. You're trusting on me to do the right thing. So I say to your question, yeah, I think it's teaching athletes something, particularly young athletes, because now they're learning the understanding of what true community is all about it and now plays a bigger role off the court, off the field, in our daily lives. We're no longer living in an agrarian society. We have an abundance of food and resources to get through the winter. But now we're learning to rely on each other, even when we're no longer uh, participating in athletic competition. Uh, I think communities have to get back to doing that. And I think as citizens, I think we, we need to get back to understanding how important that is.
1: Well, you know, you raised such a great point, Solly. Uh, so many great points, and in that, and in, in, in from the very beginning of the conversation, the, the you know, and particularly in the context of this political environment that we hopefully are coming out of at some point, you know, uh, the, the, the 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 arena and the stadium always represented that one spot where everybody, you know, Republicans, Democrats. I mean, you know, you come together and you, you become Kansas City Chiefs fans or you become uh you know, Duke fans or you know, you know, kind of thing. And it's it, it, it was so sort of at its best it was this sort of common denominator, you know. Uh and you're right, even now this whole interdependence, you know, is a yeah. lesson you almost have to relearn the lessons. That is what distinguishes sports at its highest level that you know, we depend on each other uh you put all that nonsense and leave it outside the locker room and we come in the locker room you know to for one goal and that's to win and if you don't you know maybe politically you're down with Post 45 and the whole i don't wear mask okay yeah man but you gotta fucking us up <laughs> you, know? <laughs> so, you know so it seems like sports kind of represents that, but maybe we went too far afield now we got to get back to that basic that basic sense of a common denominator which is what makes sports um and sports fandom valuable
2: and you and to your point I because I you know I've thought about this often what what people have done I think what we've done as a society we've taken you could tell a lot of people really. Never played sports and never participated on teams because I could I could be as a fierce competitor within a game. You know, like the 49ers were playing them in the Super Bowl. Fierce competitor. Before the game, I don't like you. Don't I'm gonna try my best to annihilate you. Game's over. My heart's broken. We just lost the Super Bowl. But you know what we do? Walk across, shake the other guy's hand. We're talking and come, you know, we're we're Communicating with Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, Joe Montana. You know what? You know what we're saying? Man, that was a good game, wasn't it? Oh, that was a great game. And so what happens is people have taken politics and they turned it into this this blood sport. It's become this blood sport where everybody's like, I'm on this team, I'm on that team. What team are you on? You got people who can't who used to be lifelong friends. And because that person voted for somebody who you didn't vote for. Now you don't like them anymore. And they don't like you. Uh-huh. And now you only watch one, one uh, network because they're feeding you the information you want. And the other group is only watching one network. They're feeding them the information they want. It's a competitive thing on everything to the point where we politicize them, wearing a mask. If you see somebody wearing a mask, oh, I know what team they're on. Oh, this right. guy, if he isn't wearing a mask, I know what team he's on. And we... We vilify the other people, and, and both sides are so vilified, they don't know how to walk off the off the field and still hug and shake hands.
0: Not at all. So right. they,
2: don't, they don't know how to like, hey man, this stuff ain't that real now. Y'all got, listen, you know, even athletes know it ain't that real, man. We 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 snap out of it soon the game's over. And I tell all my friends, man, hey, you ain't don't know or judge me by the R or the D by my name.
0: Right. I, I, that's right.
2: not that don't make me who I am. So I could be a Kansas City Chiefs fan or a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. That don't make me who I am at the core. Right. right? I can we can root for one another or root against each other for them three hours. When the game's over, man, let it go.
0: Right. And right.
2: don't use politics as this to replace that sport now that you love. And you don't understand that both sides have to be able to work together. That the R or the D cannot define at our core, who we are. That's a low level of humanity. It really really is.
0: And the the NFL, actually, I've been surprised at at how well the NFL has done as far as, you you know, all the protocols. Because, you know, we would have, prior to all this, and maybe still, definitely still, but you would associate the NFL to being, you know, on one side, you know, on the, (laughs) the Trump side or whatever. But they have not been on that side as far as... The protocols that they've that they've put in place—they're fining people if you don't wear a mask. You look on the sideline. You know it's pretty strict. Like people are, you know, ab- abiding by the rules for the most part, at least in public. So I—the only thing—the only thing I don't understand is why the, the, why they have fans. Why any of these any of these stadiums are allowing fans? Because it's just whatever happened to you know you know rather be safe than sorry. I mean I understand uh, yeah. if the games played fine. You know, the you get the TV money, you're still losing money at the gate anyway. Those those anyway, those, yeah. those 25% fans, they're not they're not saving you financially. So I just don't understand that part. Good, you,
2: you made some really good points, Jamal. I think the, the latter point, I think teams tried to forge through, right? And say, okay, we're not gonna have fans. Then they started introducing some fans in a way that maybe they're at twenty percent of capacity with some social distancing. And then as the numbers begin to spike around the country, they're saying, you know what, let's get the fans out of there. Let's not even chance it. Right. I think that's the course of action in terms of how we got here. You're seeing more and more teams are saying, you know what, let's just – no fans at all. They, they were trying to move through it. They, they've already seen the numbers, the spreadsheet, in terms of the financial hit, trying to maybe recoup and do that safely. And then I think they came to the realization that you can't do it safely so now they went ahead and, and did away with that. To your earlier point, though, about you, you did you know the NFL, what side were they going to be on, I think we're going to look back as we get further and further away from this period. We're going to look back and we're going to see that the Colin Kaepernick taking a knee was a pivotal moment in sort of removing the facade behind where owners stood, what players were really thinking because players were sort of this get in line, do it you told, don't screw it up. These owners got a real strong hold on, on how we carry ourselves and what we do and what we think, not to speak out on certain issues. Couldn't speak out on religion. Couldn't speak out on personal views. You, no, that stuff was forbidden in locker rooms, right? It was. And so this Colin Kaepernick thing was a watershed moment. We're going to look back on this. Philosophers are going to discuss it. Uh, people are going to write their dissertations on this. Trust right. me now, because it 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 revealed that many of the owners had been contributors to the Trump campaign. Right. It, oh. it revealed it revealed that pl- players demand the they were like, wait a minute, you had guys down in Miami not liking what their owner was doing. You had other players. It revealed a lot, and what happened is it forced these owners to have to listen to their players, and say, wow, maybe they have something going. Trump went a bridge too far in trying to vilify the players. Then he started vilifying the owners. Trump probably did something that, um, that Tagliabu and Pete Rozelle and the late, great Gene Upshaw could never do. He unified players and coaches and owners. <laughs> he, he, he brought them all together, right? Because or later, uh, he, was, he was so in on us. And uh, calling us, you know, SOBs, and the owners, the owners had to like they had to they had to make a decision, they, who,
1: which way right. they're gonna, gonna go. They could right, serve two but masters, right? So yeah, yeah, because their workforce, they've got a very unique workforce, you know, that's that right. their that their labor, <laughs> their labor, their raw material are like <laughs> a lot of these black guys. You know, so <laughs> they, you know, <laughs> what do you want me to do?
2: <laughs> that's right. They were put in a tough position. And now we see where they've landed. I, listen, I'm glad because I, I've i been on my radio show, Bill. I know you've been doing the same thing. I try to send the right message out there. I say, okay, all right, history's going to judge you. Yeah. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history. I started echoing that over a year ago. I started mm-hmm. to do because I wanted to place in their hearing and speak to their hearts and their conscience. What side of history are you going to be on? Because we're watching we're taking receipts, right? <laughs> you ain't going to get away with it. You will be called to be responsible for your decisions. And and I, this is where we started out talking about our belief and our faith in humanity. I'm telling you, man, uh, my faith has been restored wonderfully because the NFL owners, NBA owners, um, base, Major League Baseball, everyone is just the hearts and mind of a nation. It's almost like the spirit of Abraham Lincoln is still here. The spirit of, of Martin Luther King and, and, and man, it's just every, it's all come together. Our unity is coalescing. And I think we're starting to have greater empathy um, for others and understanding that we're, we're better when we work together. Right.
0: Yeah. What about, um, and I agree with you uh, for the most part, the only thing, we, we, you, t- you brought up Kaepernick, and I, it just brings me to another player, and you as an uh, ex-safety, Eric Reed. You know he stood up for Kaepernick. He's only 28. Player had a great year last year. It's almost like they're doing it again to him on that on the Kaepernick level. So that that still bothers me. But Jamal, he he signed a new deal. I mean, post-Kaepernick, he got a long-term contract
2: from the Carolina Panthers. So I mean. How many people you, you could say, wait a minute, they did me wrong. Well, bro, they gave you a $20 million plus $20 million contract after, in the aftermath, right? Mm-hmm. So now at some point, we've got to begin to be accountable and more realistic. Okay, now I'm not on the team, not because of what happened with Kaepernick. After being awarded the contract, now I've got to really be honest about my performance and, and say, is it up to par and is it justifiable
0: so you think it's a performance, team. a performance-based situation?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm you know, I'm a big fan of Eric Reed. Remember him coming out of LSU, former first-round pick with the 49ers, and as you mentioned, was a teammate of Collins. Um, he had a one-year deal and then turned that one-year deal into a multi-year deal with the Panthers. Um, but then when Ron Rivera left uh, to go to Washington, uh, there was a reevaluation with the new regime that came in, and they saw the performance, the performance was nowhere near what he was when he first came into the league. And mm. um, and it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. But, you know, he's financially now, he's, he's come a long way. So he should, hopefully he, he should be okay. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, one thing, you, there was something you mentioned. It, it, it gets back to this idea of, uh, of sports as this uh, kind of common denominator. Yeah,
2: I just think sports does a really good job of reflecting – what we can accomplish in society. I, I think it's a really good um you know platform. I, I I know so many wonderful athletes and I went through some great programs in college and I'm talking just being around football coaches, right? And being their leaders. Some of them are the best teachers you've ever been around, some of them are the best motivators of people you've ever been around. And I watch them pour into other people to make them better. And now I've been around long enough to see it all come full circle. And I have some people that I, you know, work with across different industries. And I look, we talk about the education, what we went through, what we learned in college, what we learned in our young adult lives, in our early careers and early jobs. And I come away feeling very, um, very blessed that I've had great management training. I've had great leadership training the things that i've been trained in have been tested under fire right because <laughs> that's a, that's a, athletics you're tested you got to put a lot of what you believe um, you got to put it to the test and you come out on the other side knowing for sure this is what works and you go into the private sector you talk to a lot of people who you remember that old poem that says those poor timid souls who know neither victory or defeat you know i know a lot of people like that they've never had to be tested Bill that never had to go through the fire, my man, you know. <laughs> and, and I don't I'm not putting anyone down. I'm just saying that, you know, I just think that sports has a lot to offer the rest of society because we have a lot of people who have been tested, have been put through the fire and and can speak to these things with great veracity, um, and great validity. So um, you know, I just think that the, the athletic world, the sports world, we have so much to offer. In the private sector, and I think we share so much in common. We have a lot that we can learn from from people in the private sector as well. So, you know, I, I just think that uh, both worlds. Uh, I think by coming together, we can learn a lot from one another.
0: Before we let you go, um, you know, despite all this talk, uh, I definitely watch every Sunday. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 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 as much into football almost almost as ever. So, I just wanted to get your opinion on some on the field stuff. I'm looking at the AFC. The AFC is fascinating to me. A lot of good teams. Um, Pittsburgh is still undefeated. Uh, Kansas City still seems like they're the real favorite. Who do you like out of the AFC? You, you give Pittsburgh, you put Pittsburgh on Kansas City level?
2: Yeah, Pittsburgh really disappointed in that Wednesday game. Looked like they were playing with a hangover against the Ravens and allowed the Ravens to hang in there. And even Mike Tomlin wasn't happy with the way his team Played, I think he likened their performance to a JV team. He was that yeah, upset. yeah. you yeah. know. He was hilarious, but no. So I, I, Kansas City right now stands, even though they're one game back. You know, they're ten and one. Pittsburgh's eleven and zero, but Kansas City's just functioning at a very high level. And in the NFC, um, I'm, I'm, even though the Saints have a better record at nine and two, the um, the uh, Seattle Seahawks, me with Russell Wilson. I think they can compete with Kansas City. Russell's going to keep his team in it. Um, The defense has to improve for them to really be a threat to become a champion. But if I were to take two teams, one from the AFC, one from the NFC, I think Kansas City and Seattle are the two teams I see trending toward a collision in in the Super Bowl.
0: And what about Lamar Jackson? Uh, He hasn't been the same uh, quarterback he was last year during his MVP season.
2: Lamar's struggling to elevate his game to where he's a true just as big of a threat throwing the ball as he is in their run game. I think Greg Roman does a good job of leveraging what he does. And remember, Lamar has led the team to two straight division titles. He's he's phenomenal. I'm not taking anything away from him. But as you well know in this league you have to continue to evolve and the quarterbacks who can play uh, and make more plays with their arms and with their legs, those are the guys who are who are gonna last longer in this league. And just look at uh Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, um look at those guys. And now you see a Cam Newton who was once a league MVP, like Lamar Jackson. When you're primary as the runner, man, your assets are gonna diminish because you're getting hit a lot uh, and you're not gonna really be able to play as long at a high level. So Lamar's working his way through that. Uh, I still think
1: he's one heck of a competitor. <laughs> Good luck trying to stop him on Sunday. Yeah, your, your thoughts about Pittsburgh is undefeated. I'm wondering if uh, nobody at the beginning of the season would have picked them to beat the Miami Dolphins. Perfect season. Uh, I know they've got there's a lot of football to play, but you know every week you know you kind of waiting for it to happen. But what do you think about Pittsburgh and? And Tomlin. Hey, look,
2: I think Mike Tomlin's is one of the most underrated coaches in our league. I don't know that he's ever won Coach of the Year, but yet he should. He's already won a Super Bowl and now knocking on the door for another. He's never had a losing season, Bill, in his 14 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And people can maybe try to make a mockery of the Rooney Rule. I believe in it. Um, I believe we should make it better. Um, but if you're an NFL owner, all you need to do is look at a Mike Tomlin. All you need to do is look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they understand that the uh, the NFL is not like other businesses in that way. You can try to go hire the face of for uh, for your football team like it's one of your private um, corporations. and But you don't have a leader of men. You don't have a coach who you know how to move men. And so – the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they've created a model that is the absolute best in the NFL. They won, Nobody's won more Vince Lombardi trophies. Nobody's had fewer coaches over the last 50 years. But yet we get these teams and these ownership groups who they want to run it like they're running the Home Depot. They built it into a billion-dollar industry. Now they want to come and run an NFL team with the same people, with the same like minds. No, this is a different deal. Pittsburgh Steelers have shown you the way. They've given you a model to help you come out of your old hiring practices, and all people can do is politicize that and try to make a mockery of it. Well, I say to those teams, okay, you keep doing what you're doing and watch Pittsburgh keep winning. So they've had three coaches in 50 years, and they've got a guy by the name of Bill Nunn who was one of the best at mining um, HBCUs for talent that have met, sent more people to the Hall of Fame because they decided to take the goggles off and not just see color, but to see talent. When it comes to positions of leadership and when it comes to productivity, um, the the Rooney family and the Pittsburgh Steelers has done it, in my mind, better than any other team in the history of our league. And so for these teams, if they want to win, all they need to do is look uh, to Pittsburgh. I think they've been they provided great leadership for what it looks like I, I think for how it should be done in the National Football League and, and right now Mike Tomlin I think he's an illustration of that
1: Well said. I you know it'll be um, I don't know Tomlin well but it would be I, I, it would be great in this year of great transition in the White House to see that that that, that the that the team that finally broke the Miami Dolphins uh you know super, you know undefeated record uh, is, a, is a team of Steelers with the Rooney rule led by a black coach. But, well, you know, unfortunately, this stuff is decided on the field. It's not, uh, it's not right. <laughs> you know, hey, Solly, man, this has been great. Uh, and thank as usual, man, thanks so much. I always enjoy your insights and your integrity. And, um, you know, man, I wish you, uh, you know, continue good luck. Uh, you know, hope the back, back feels better.
2: That's right. That's right. It does. And Bill, hey, it's great and I I am relieved to know you didn't make it across the Canadian border, my man. Uh, we we get to keep you at we get to keep you as a national treasure, you know. We we like keeping you
1: around, man. All right? All right. Well, so thanks so much, man. All right. Thanks, Jamal. Thanks, Bill. All right. Talk to you soon. Have a happy holiday season. All right. Same to you guys. Bye-bye. So Jamal's great Solomon Wilcox, as usual, has a lot of great stuff
0: to say. Great, great insights, of course, as usual from Solomon uh, on, you know, on a crazy NFL season. Um, but I, I agree with him. It's, it's, it's kind of survival of the fittest. Uh, you know, the, you can't put an asterisk on this on this season. It probably means more, just like we talked about with the NBA in the bubble. It's probably, you know, there's so much more going on. That it almost it, it almost will make a championship even more noteworthy.
1: Yeah, that's what I think. Uh, you know, we talked about that with the NBA. I, I, you know, obviously, a split, but I just thought that emerging as a champion then was just harder. Right. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I'm sure there are arguments both ways. You can say, well, there are probably players who didn't have to deal with pressure, you know, right. but still, the idea of just being inside that bubble for three months or four months, however long Although you didn't have to travel, that was a good thing. Uh, but you did have to travel, so that was a bad thing.
0: <laughs> right, right. I mean, you you know, it was all all basketball, and it's, and this is kind of all football. And like and like Solomon was saying, the the added uh, personal responsibility piece is big too. You know, because you had to you really have to be, uh, you know, you have to be on your A game on and off the court. Right,
1: right, and that you, you know. And that's why I was saying the bubble sort of was sort of forced you to be on your best behavior, you know? Uh, but this, you're right. This is totally voluntary, you know? And if you want to engage in reckless behavior and, and, you know, not believe this stuff, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's it's all, it's, it's all sports. You know, at this point, there's no more NBA bubble. The NBA starts next week. Uh, the preseason starts next Friday, believe it or not. Um, I'm we, I'm
1: I'm like we just <laughs> like we just stressed.
0: We did, we did. So, you know, all these sports are gonna be back at it. College basketball is in kind of full swing right now. Um, you know, and there's no real bubble. Everybody it's all on all on each team, each each organization, all the players to uh, you know make sure that they're doing things the right way and we'll see what happens. I mean, we still don't know how this is all going to end, right? We, I think now we all assume that, that these leagues are going to make it through, but we are about, we are going through the worst period of the pandemic right now. So we don't really know how this is going to end.
1: Yeah, right. I know it's December.
0: Right. We, we got December, January, February.
1: Oh, my God. Well, yeah, yeah definitely December and January, Super Bowl in February. So you're right. You got two, two months for this right. stuff. Right. But, you know, uh, I still, you know, not totally sold on the NFL. I mean, it seems like I'm, I hear what Lamar, I mean, um, what the RG3 was saying, what are the NFL's priorities? But, uh, making but, money is a priority.
0: Yeah, we know, we know the priorities and, and and they're not, they're not hiding it. I mean, it, this is what it is. Like, there's too much money at stake. We're going to push forward. And the players, the players want. Well, they
1: yeah, they get yeah, they get paid.
0: Right. I mean, this is their job. Right. You know. And even you know, if you I, aren't I, get, even in college, if you're not getting paid, it's still what the players want to do. The players want to play. That's what. That's what. That's what kids do. That's what kids want.
1: Yeah, I have a I have a bigger problem in college.
0: Right. I understand.
1: You know, because they're not getting paid. Right. Yeah, and you've got, you know, these mostly white coaches. Right. Who are getting paid a lot. That's true. I don't know. I um. I think the moral bar our moral bar has kind of we we've lowered our moral bar but but yet again, like you said, you know you're watching, I'm watching you know right. combination of like the sport but also this pandemic and not being able to you know go anywhere uh you know do anything um you know we're watching we're glued to
0: it right, yeah, they're providing us with a with with some with some entertainment uh so I appreciate that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know yeah no i mean like i said it's a guilty pleasure right uh just before we sign off man uh just want to uh, acknowledge uh, steve steve wilson who's off on our program he uh is uh lost his mother uh, uh recently so our hearts and prayers go out to steve
0: yes and um you know
1: but yeah man so um uh, anything else? Oh, you got to do your, your spiel,
0: right? Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. <laughs> As always, keep keep uh, supporting the program. We appreciate all the listeners, all the subscribers. Keep keep doing that. Uh, keep following us on social media, at BrosPod on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, of course, we'll be back next week with uh, with another great podcast. We're actually going to be doing a joint podcast with Angela Rye, who who I'm sure many of you know, uh, CNN contributor, and we'll be talking some more politics and, and some sports also. Yeah,
1: Look, you know, looking forward to that. So everybody, continue to uh, stay safe during this holiday season. He says that he's traveling, uh, <laughs> not in, not in the air, not in an airplane,
0: good, not good, on good. Not,
1: in, not on not on the train.
0: Yeah. In a nice, safe, clean car by yourself.
1: Right, exactly. By myself. Yeah. Back and forth. Uh, so anyway, listen, man. All stay safe. Everybody out there, stay safe. And, of course, God bless.